This morning we're going to start a new series called What's Love Got to Do With It? What's Love Got to Do With It? It's a common song. We've all heard this song many times and it's February. And so this morning, in the next couple weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about love. The idea of love and looking at this concept. And as Valentine's Day approaches, and gentlemen, I want to remind you, Wednesday is Valentine's Day, okay? Just so you know, you have three days to get your Valentine's cards ready and different things like that. Um, so there you go. Don't say I didn't warn you uh, and let you know. Um, but Valentine's Day is coming, and there's a lot of excitement in the air. Valentine's Day is a fun time for couples and those kind of things, but have you ever wondered where the or what is the origin of Valentine's Day? Where did it come from? You know, where did where did the idea come from? What is all this hype about? And I recently found an article in the Huffington Post about Valentine's Day, and this is what it said. Valentine's Day isn't all about the roses, candy, and expensive dinners. It has a historical background too. Contrary to what some may believe, Valentine's Day wasn't created by greeting card companies just to sell cards and candy. It's actually a church-sanctioned holiday as Pope uh, Galeus deemed February 14th, St. Valentine's Day, near 498 AD, so about 1,500 years ago or so, one of the popes uh, declared February 14th Valentine's Day. There's still kind of some mystery and not exactly sure how it started or what the reason was. Um, but apparently there was a St. Valentine, or there's a couple different ones, actually, if you look back at history, um, and it's documented. And so it's still unclear exactly why they were celebrating the saint and what was special about St. Valentine. Um, but we know that according to the history, the three different St. Valentines, or Valentinus, there was a couple different variations of the name, uh, they were all martyrs. According to one legend, or one history story, Valentine actually sent the very first Valentine greeting himself. While he was in prison, it was believed that Valentine fell in love with a young girl. Actually, according to the story, it was one of the jailer's daughters he fell in love with, who visited him, who would visit her dad when he was at work, and he fell in love with her. Before his death, it's alleged that he wrote her a letter, which he signed, from your Valentine, which is an expression that we often still hear used today, right? We, get, we send a card and we say, this is from your Valentine. This is from your love. And when I think of Valentine's Day, one of the first things that comes to my mind is the word love, right? The word love, we think of that. But I want to just share a quick story with you before we get into our message this morning. Imagine that you've been convicted of a terrible crime, and as a result, you receive the death penalty, and the day of your execution has arrived. As the guards come to lead you down that long hallway to the executioner's chamber, you think back to the terrible mistake that you made, wishing that you could change history, right? Wishing you could change that day. But knowing that you broke the law, you realize that I must pay for the crime that I committed. As the guard sits you down in the chair to receive your punishment, they place a hood over your head, and you realize that the end is arriving in just a few seconds, that justice is about to be served. 
Suddenly you hear a familiar voice saying, Stop! I'll take his place. They pull the hood off your head and you see your father standing there with love on his face and tears running down his cheeks. You try to stop the guard saying, But he's done nothing wrong. I deserve to die. I'm the one who committed the sin. As you pass your father and he's led into the chair, he pauses and hands you a piece of paper that simply says, I love you. You try to stop them, but you're led away, and in a minute the switch is pulled and your father has been executed. The warden tells you, you are free to go. And as you look away in stunned silence, you open your hands and you read the piece of paper that your father gave you, and big red letters are the words, paid in full. Right? So this gives us a story of a son who committed a crime, was sentenced to death, and right before that execution was to happen, the father stepped in and said, no, I love you. I'm going to take your place. You are free to go. The debt has been paid in full. February, the month of love, right? It could, uh, it could never compare to this story of love. The story of whose love? God's love, right? God who took our place, who paid for our sins and what we did. To be precise, as I said in the story, that's exactly what God did for us when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place, to save us from our sins, and to give us new life through him. As we think about the title of this series, what is love, what's love got to do with it? I want us to focus on the subject of God's love for you. God's love for you, that he has specifically for each and every person. We're going to look at one of the more common verses in all of Scripture that many of us learned from the time that we were just little, and we're going to pull three truths out of it this morning. We're going to look at John 3.16, and the three things we're going to look at is, number one, God is love. Number two, that God gave everything. And number three, that whoever trusts Jesus, God saves them. Whoever comes in a relationship with Christ is saved. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? I think we could all sit here, and most of us could, could say that verse without even thinking about it. From the, time, from the time we were little, we've been hearing God, or hearing that scripture about God's love for us. How he gave his one and only son for us. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. As I said, the first thing we're going to look at this morning is how God is love. In the English language, the word love has a whole host of meanings, right? We hear the word love all the time anymore. It means so many different things. Some examples are you say, I love my spouse. I, I love a particular type of food. I love my job. I love 
all the things that, that I have. I love the way my life looks right now. I love my wife, my house. I love Mexican food. I love to watch TV, etc. We could go on and on about all the things that we say that we love today in our world, in our culture. But when I say that I love my wife, there's a far greater level of love that I have for my wife versus when I say, well, I simply love the Mexican food. Right? It's a different type of love. There's different kinds of love. If you look at the Greek language, there's actually four different words for love. The words are agape, phyla, storge, and eros. Those are the four different Greek words for love. And in John 3.16, the, the Greek word that's used for love is agape. Agape love. The one definition of agape that we're going to use this morning is supreme love, an unconditional love that's always voluntary, especially when referring to the love of God. It's supreme. It's unconditional. It's voluntary, especially when it refers to the love of God. So then how then... Do we define love? How do we know what love is? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 8, it says what it says, God is love. Right? Who is love? What is love? God is love. God's love is displayed through His creation in a multitude of ways. Right? When we go outside and we look at creation, we can see God's love all over creation. We can see His handprint upon everything that He's created. The psalmist testifies of God's love in a couple different ways. Psalm 36, 5 says, Your love, O Lord, it reaches to the heavens. Psalm 63, 3 says, Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. And Psalm 100, verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. Nothing in this world can ever compare to the love of God that He has for you. Nothing compares to the amount of love that God has for you in your life. Our minds can't even fully understand His love, right? We can't even fully fathom or grasp the love that God has for us. And although we can't fully understand the depth of His love, we can fully accept the love with open arms. You see, God is the very essence of love. Without understanding who God is, one can never fully understand love. To know God is to know love. To not know God is to not fully understand or know what love is. Because God is the purest form of love that there is. So we know that God is love, right? That's the first thing that we want to look at this morning. We looked at John 3.16, that God is love. Second thing is that God gave. What did God give? He gave His Son, right? His only begotten Son for us. Think about your life for a moment. Just reflect for a moment. Would you say that you tend to be more of a giver or a receiver in your life? 
Would you say that you're one that tends to give more or receive more? Maybe to give you a tangible idea, for those of you who are football fans, would you rather be the quarterback who's throwing the ball or the receiver who's catching the ball? Right? Are you more of a giver or more of a receiver? And I think most of us, if we're honest, we would sit here and say, I'd rather be a receiver. I'd rather receive, because receiver, they get, one, they get to catch the ball and score, but we love to receive things. We love when people give us stuff. We think it's fun. We think it's, it's wonderful. But what did Jesus say about this exact thing? In Acts 20, 35, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Right? It's more blessed for someone to give than it is for someone to receive. How could Jesus say that? Right? How, how, how could Jesus say that? Because he understood the depth of the Father's love. He understood what it meant to give. He was what God gave. Jesus is what God gave to or for us to take our place. To be the one who could fill the gap that was left by sin that had separated us from God. Jesus understood God's love. And as a result, he said, it's more blessed that one should give than receive. Again, it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved us, his creation, humanity so much that he acted upon it. He saw that there was an issue. He saw that there had become distance between ourselves and him. And he said, I'm going to make a way for us to come back into relationship with one another again. But out of his love, he acted. It brought forth action from God. He demonstrated his love by sending his son to die for our sins. Right? I think we can all say we love each other. You know, I can say, yes, I love my wife more than anything else in this whole world. But I don't think that the love that I have for my wife, I would be willing to say, I'm willing to send my son or my daughter to die for her, right? I, I, just being honest, I don't think I have that level of love towards her. But God is saying, I love you so much that I'm willing to give my one and only son for you. I'm willing to give up everything I have, everything I cherish, everything I care for the most in this whole world for you. Right? For you. He gave everything. Romans 5, 8 said, God showed his love while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I think about that. God sent his son 2,000 some years ago to die for you and I today because he knew that we were sinners. But he loved us so much that he said, I'm going to send my son before you ever even make the decision to surrender your heart to me, before you ever even make, even know who I am, I'm going to send my son to die for you. Think about that. There was no guarantee. God didn't 
know that, you know, it, it's just, I think about that and I'm fathomed by the fact that God said, I'm going to send him, even though you're still a sinner, even though you're far from me, you're distant from me, I'm going to send my son to die for you. That you can have an opportunity to come into relationship with me. Think about the depth of the gift that God gave. He did not give up some material possession that would simply fade away or rust or decay over time. No, God gave his prized possession, his only begotten son. Why would God do this? Why? Because he loves you. The answer is simple. Why? Love. He loves you. He wanted to save you from eternal time, existence, and hell. God loves you. He wanted a relationship with you. He wanted to spend eternity in relationship with you. God desires for us to live a life that's totally surrendered to Him. God's giving goes back to the very beginning. It was God Himself who created us, right? It was God Himself who breathed life into Adam. In Genesis 2-7, it said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Right? So if we go way back to the beginning of time, God created the earth and all of his existence, and then he created Adam, and eventually Eve. But God gave Adam dominion and authority over the earth. Right? He said, I'm going to give you dominion and authority. You're you can name the animals, you're in control. Of the, I'm giving you dominion and authority over all the earth. And we know that as we read through scripture, that Adam and Eve, they failed to exercise the authority that God had given them when they fell into the temptation that Satan placed in front of them. And that created the divide. It created the gap between God and us because sin had come into the world. Falling captive to Satan's temptation was sin. Sin is anything you say, think, or do that's displeasing to God. Or another way to look at sin is the old archery term. It means to miss the mark. To miss the mark of what God is asking us to do, of what His Word says and, and asks of us to do. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, right? All of us have sinned. We've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. But out of His love for us, it doesn't stop there. One theologian summed up uh, this verse in this way. It said that Christ, who was the last Adam, left heaven, came to earth, suffered, bled, and died as a man to regain what the first Adam had lost. Man's dominion had been lost to Satan, and the dominion had been now righteously regained by Jesus Christ. So Adam, who God originally gave authority and dominion to in our earth, fell to sin, and as a result, our world was fallen into sin and separated. But Jesus was then sent to redeem the sin of the one man, Adam, to forever pay for our sins. So that uh, dominion to be returned again, authority to God, to Jesus Christ. And that's where we find our authority today. 
Not only is God love, but his love was demonstrated in what he gave in giving us the greatest gift ever in his son. So God loved and God gave. Finally, the third thing, whoever trusts in Jesus is saved. Whoever trusts in Jesus, God saves. Going back to our main verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It says that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting, not perish but have everlasting life. And you're going to hear different teachings today in different churches and different places. Some people get confused in thinking that there's only a specific elect. There's only a specific chosen people that have an opportunity to go to heaven, that have an opportunity to go to a relationship with God. And that is not true. Scripture does not teach that. It says right here that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Scripture teaches us that we have a free will, that we have the opportunity to make a choice as to whether or not we want to go into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have a choice to make whether you want to be in a relationship with the Lord or not. We don't read here in this verse that it says, whoever believes in him and has been of the chosen people will have everlasting life. Or that those who are elect have the ability to have a relation with Jesus Christ. No, it says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We must continue to understand that there are lost people all around us in the world today. There are people that you and I come into contact with on a daily basis that have not made the choice to have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. But God sent His Son to die. Out of love for them, He sent His one and only Son. We must continue to share the gospel. We must continue to share the love of God that we have experienced, that we are experiencing with those who have yet to experience God's love and His freedom that comes through a relationship with Him. There's a Christian band called the Big Tent Revival, and they sing a song called Choose Life. And I want to just read a couple of the lyrics to you. It says that a choice is set before you now, living or dying, blessing or curse. Choose life that you might live. The life that He gives, He gives you forever. Choose life the way that is true. From the one that chose you, your Father in heaven, choose life. God loves you. And that will never change. But the question is, is do we turn around and do we say, God, we surrender our heart to you. We love you. I love you and want to have a relationship with you today. We must turn from our sins we must trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And as a result, we have eternal life with Him. The other option is that a person rejects Jesus and they perish. Joshua 24, 15 says, 
Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord's coming of salvation. So what do we read about this morning in John 3, 16? That God is love. A love that is beyond anything we can imagine, beyond what we can even grasp in this world. But when we get to the other side of eternity in heaven with God, we'll be able to fully understand and experience His love. And I can't wait for that day that God's love and glory is unveiled to me. We know that God gave His most precious thing He could have ever have given for you, he gave his son. And that for whoever trusts in Jesus, whoever comes in a relationship with Jesus, will be saved. That all have the opportunity to come into a relationship with Christ. So what does it mean to be saved? What points? You may hear somebody say that, well, would you like to get saved this morning? What does that mean? It means to receive God's free gift of Jesus Christ. God, through His grace and His mercy, sacrificed His Son to pay for our sins. It means that, that you have been rescued from your sins, and that you have an eternity in heaven with God forever. It means you've come into a right relationship with God. Just as I started with that story about the Father taking the place of His Son at the execution, Jesus, when he went upon the cross, bore your sins and mine. So that we don't have to anymore. We've been cleansed of them. We've been freed of our sins through Jesus' death and resurrection when he overcame death. So, what, what does love have to do with it? What does love have to do with it? Getting back to our opening statement. Everything. Love has everything to do with it. Had it not been for the love of God and his willingness to send Jesus to live the life that we should have lived, to die to death that was condemned for us to die, and to be resurrected from the grave in order to save us from our sins, life would be meaningless, right? If, if Jesus had not come been the sacrifice and paid for our sins and cleansed us of our sins and brought us back into a right standing relationship with God. It's all about love. Because of God's love for you, He gave you His all. He gave you Jesus. Kennedy, if you'd like to come up at this point. So I want to ask you the question this morning then. What are you giving this morning? What are you, what are you giving to God? Right? If it's much, much more blessed to be a giver than a receiver, we have to ask ourselves, how am I giving of myself this morning? How am I giving of myself to God, to His kingdom, to His glory? Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. 
Maybe today is the day that you're ready to make that decision. You're ready to say, you know what? I've heard the truth. I've heard of God's love. I've heard of what He did in sending His one and only Son to me. Today, I'm ready to accept that free gift of salvation. I'm ready to surrender my heart to Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, simply want to ask, if that's you in here this morning, if you're ready to make that decision and say, you know what? God, I surrender my heart to you. I give myself to you. I thank you for what you've done. I simply want you to just place your hand in the air and you can put it right back in. For those who responded this morning and for those who have made that decision before in your life, I want to ask you to just simply repeat after me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are, for your love, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on my behalf. to pay for my sins. I give my life to you from this day forward. Help me to serve you with all that I have. In Jesus' name, amen. They're going to go ahead and lead us through a song. Myself and a couple of our leaders will be up here at the front. If you would like to come forward this morning for prayer, maybe it's for something that we talked about. Maybe you received Jesus in your heart this morning and you would like just some more prayer. Or maybe you have a couple questions. Feel free to come forward and talk to any of those leaders who are up front. Or if you'd like prayer for anything else, the worship team plays, I want to encourage you, please come forward for a time of prayer. You don't necessarily have to come to one of us leaders. If you want to come to the altar by yourself, that's totally fine as well. The worship Father, we thank you again this morning for your love. We thank you, Father, that you sent your son to die for us, Father, to make a way for us to come back into the right standing relationship with you and We love you. We thank you, Father. Father, help us to continue to look to you, Father, as far as finding ways in which we can become giving people. Giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our resources for your kingdom, for your honor, for your glory, Father, that people will come to know who you are, that people will come to understand your love in a new and deep way. Thank you. Father, as we go out now and pray you present opportunities for us to share that love that you have shared with us with other people, Father. That we can be your hands and feet to those around us, Father. We each encounter people each and every day. 
who do not have a relationship with you. Father, help us to be a light. Help us to be a beacon. Father, help us to show your love that they may come to know who you are. such an honor and a privilege, Father, for us to be able to share the good news. I pray that you'd give us the confidence and the boldness to do so and the opportunity to present themselves. Keep us safe now, we pray, Lord, as we travel in your name. Amen. Next week, as we continue on in this series, this morning we looked at God's love for us. Next week, we're going to be looking at and our love for Him. How we can continue to love God more, deepen in our love and our relationship with Him.